Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I used to. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Be a ranger in Colorado, specifically about seven years ago. I love the job. I love being outside and enjoying nature. Respect for animals and plants are always very important to me, so I made sure the guests would follow the rules. Patrolling the trails and park maintenance was my job. I was very fit at the time, something that is very necessary for a job like this. It's not easy and can be very physically demanding. I do recommend the job to nature lovers and social butterflies. The story I'm about to share with you isn't the reason I quit to get an office job. I was forced to quit. A direct blow to my right knee in a car accident caused a very bad fracture that I never fully recovered from. Now I can't stand up for longer periods of time, so as a job it became impossible. Now for my story. Two years before the car accident I was working pretty late. This was during the winter, so it got dark pretty early. I was by myself and there was nobody around. 
I was cleaning up the trash left by the visitors and was moving debris and tree branches on the side of the trails. This had happened a few times. I really took my time making the trails as safe as possible. That night a lot of trash was seemingly left behind. It took me longer than I anticipated and I lost track of time. I don't really mind working late. I was single and childless at the time. I just had my dogs waiting for me back at home. As I said before, there was nobody around and it was as quiet as it can get in the park. At some point I had heard a really loud sound like something heavy was thrown onto the ground. I assumed it was a tree branch. I looked up to where I heard the noise and walked towards it expecting to see some wood or something. When I came closer, I noticed there wasn't anything on the ground, but right after making that observation, I heard the same loud thud a bit further away from me. When I directed my eyes towards where I heard the second noise, I was surprised to see the silhouette of a person standing behind a tree. This person was very small, so small that it could have been a child. I never encountered a person by themselves that late at night. Nobody was supposed to be there. I just stood there watching for a while until I decided to ask the person what they were doing there. As soon as the first words left my mouth, this person began running. They weren't really fast and surprisingly didn't trip over anything. I began chasing the person immediately, not giving them a lecture but to make sure they didn't get lost in the woods. That would be incredibly dangerous and could result in injury or even death in extreme cases. At some point, after a lot of running and calling out for them, they disappeared out of sight. I was surprised at how fast this person was. I considered myself to be very fit, and I even used to go running frequently in high school. It seemed impossible to me, but that wasn't what I was worried about at the moment. I called my supervisor to report the incident. He told me to wait for him and that one of my colleagues would do a search together with me. As soon as I entered the call, I heard the same thud behind me. This was the opposite direction of where we were running towards. I was certain that this person could not have walked past me without noticing. I was very confused. I turned around and saw the same silhouette behind another tree. I was pretty sure it was the same person as they were the same height and posture. Once again calling out for this, but there was no reaction. However, when I took a step towards them, they began running in a completely different direction. After I lost them once, I realized I didn't really know where I was, so I decided to find my way back. As I tried to find my way, I felt like I was walking in circles. It was confusing as I usually navigated around the park without any issues. I was lost. When I tried to call my supervisor to help find my way back, I had lost service somehow. I tried multiple times, but it did not work. I began getting scared. I called out for the stranger, and once again there was no reaction. I walked around for hours, but did not get anywhere. I decided to get some rest and wait for the sun to rise. I fell asleep sitting against a tree and was woken up by a woman and her child. The walk in trail was only a few meters from where I had slept. I was certain at the time that I wasn't close to any trail. It was so weird and unsettling. I don't know how to explain how I felt. For a couple of months after this happened, I had very bad nightmares about the same situation. My supervisor and colleague had been looking for both me and the stranger that night after my call, but did not find either one of us. They were also a bit confused about the situation, but 
told me that I must have been a teenager trying to play tricks, and then I was just too tired to navigate myself. I know that's not true, but don't know how to logically explain what happened that night. Maybe all of you can help me. I woke up early on Saturday morning, eager to start my day as a hunter. I had been waiting for this day for weeks, planning and preparing for my journey into the woods. I packed my gear, including my rifle, ammunition, and a backpack with snacks and supplies, and headed out to my usual hunting spot. As I walked through the woods, I felt a sense of peace and calmness wash over me. The sound of leaves crunching under my boots, the fresh air, and the smell of pine trees all made me feel alive. I was on a mission to track a deer, and I was confident that today was the day I would finally catch one. But as I followed the tracks of the deer deeper into the woods, I felt a strange sensation in my gut. It was as if someone or something was watching me. I brushed it off as paranoia and continued on my path. As I reached a clearing, I noticed a sudden change in the atmosphere. The once peaceful woods had become eerie and silent. That's when I saw it a creature with glowing eyes and razor-sharp claws. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was about six feet tall, with fur as black as the night sky and eyes that glowed bright red. I froze in my tracks, my heart pounding in my chest. I had never been so scared in my life. I tried to back away slowly, but the creature began to move towards me, its glowing eyes fixed on me. I knew I had to act fast, so I aimed my rifle and took a shot. The creature let out an ear-piercing scream and charged towards me with its claws outstretched. I fired a few more shots, but they didn't seem to phase the creature. It was as if it was invincible. I turned to run, but it was too late. The creature was upon me, slashing at my back with its razor-sharp claws. I fell to the ground, my back burning with pain. I knew I was going to die. But just as I thought all hope was lost, I heard a loud gunshot. The creature let out one final scream and collapsed to the ground. I turned to see a group of hunters who had heard the commotion and come. To my aid, they helped me to my feet, and we made our way back to civilization. I was lucky to be alive, but I knew that I would never forget that terrifying creature in the woods. Its glowing eyes and razor-sharp claws would haunt me for the rest of my life. My husband and I spent the night way out in the northern woods near a lake. There is a looped camping trail where you can rent a site out a few days for a relatively cheap price. Each site is probably separated by 70-80 meters, so while you can somewhat see and hear your fellow campers, it's never enough to take away from the ambience. Once we've set up our tent and gotten our belongings in order, we decided to get a fire going and have our usual go to outdoors dinner of roasted hot dogs. The night was beautiful. The fire gave off the perfect amount of heat and didn't smoke in our faces at all. And for the most part, our neighbors didn't get too boisterous. By quiet hours, we bedded down and got in our tent to spend some time enjoying the serenity and peace. Until I realized for some reason, our tent is sweating from the inside. And then it started raining hard. We take our valuables to the car immediately and get inside to wait out the weather before disassembling the tent. 
Our nearby neighbors all realize the weather situation as well, and we see them pack up and ship out one by one. This leaves us very much alone. This is where it gets insanely strange, and to this day, neither of us are quite sure what we experience. Out in the distance beyond our sight, I see what appears to be a red light, maybe attached to a lantern. However, the way this light moves is completely inorganic. It doesn't sway or bob as if being held by a human who is walking around. Rather, it snakes around in a perfect track and slowly comes closer and closer to our car. By this time, we've killed the headlights and are just staring at this spectacle with a mixture of awe and horror. My husband gets out of the car at some point and calls out in the rain if anybody is there. Lo and behold, the light disappears. This left the most bewildering and eerie feeling deep in my gut. Something did not feel right at all. Sixth sense tingling and everything. At my urging, he gets back in the car and it doesn't take long for the light to reappear. By this point, I'm ready to leave. Can't be damned. But my husband insists, if we're to leave, we have to pack up our tent because he doesn't want it stolen. So, I begrudgingly oblige, and while he stands watch with a flashlight, I get to work packing us up. I probably got it done in five minutes, maybe less. The entire time we were out there, we didn't see the red light. If we had God, I don't know how I would have reacted, but I'm glad we were able to get our stuff and finally leave. I was four years old. I have experienced paranormal my entire life, sightings, dreams, and premonitions. This is one of my first experiences that I have memory of. We lived in a cedar-sided split foyer, home on top of a mountain. I had a younger brother by ten months. We shared a bedroom across the hall from my parents' room. We would see this figure constantly. We saw it so much that we started to just ignore it. It stood about three, four feet tall, had an outline like a teddy bear that wore a classic Viking helmet with horns. We never could see its features, just the dark shadow. Our older cousins, by one, two years, spent the night one night. Everyone was in a circle with our sleeping bags on the floor of our room. The lights were still on. My cousin immediately whispered, what is that? And he pointed at the creature who was standing in our doorway watching us. I told him it was just our monster and he watches us play. He can't do anything to us or hurt us. And I stuck my tongue out at it to assure my cousin the thing was harmless. My mom told us monsters couldn't get us, so I was extra brave around it. A few nights later, I wake up in the middle of the night. I slept on the top bunk and my brother on the bottom. I see the creature climbing up the bunk bed ladder to my bed. To this day, I have no idea why or how I was brave enough to do this. But I moved to the ladder and sat in front of it, blocking the creature from coming up. It stopped climbing, but we were inches from each other's faces. It seemed like we sat like that forever because I remember thinking, what the heck is this? And why can't I see its actual face? I reached out and tapped its shoulder. All hell then broke loose. As soon as I touched it, I could see all of it. The entire body was covered in monster heads. Its main face had giant big eyes and sharp, sharp teeth. It was terrified of me and confused and seemed to be in intense pain from my touch. 
It grabbed me up by the back and tore my back up. It screamed in my face. Of course I'm screaming hysterically, and I break free and crawl to the far end of my bed and started praying and stopped screaming. By this time my mom ran in and all I could say was monster. The next morning my mom casually made me come into the kitchen to show her best friend my back. As an adult my mom told me she was so scared and that my back was all scratched up. Scratches I didn't have that night at bedtime. I asked my cousin about what he saw that night. He still admitted to it thirty plus years later and told me when I stuck my tongue out he was terrified. As an adult, my brother described the same exact appearance of it after having a similar encounter shortly after mine. He passed it on our basement stairs and it screamed at it. After my encounter, I never saw it again. My son, who's three, is terrified of shadows, and he knows the difference between normal shadows and tells me one walks around in his room. Is it the same thing? What the hell is it? While I was cutting cross-country from Maxwell Butt Trail to some reprod above my camp, I found two impressions in a dung pile unlike any I've seen before. The prints were about a one-fourth mile apart, but on the same ridge and identical in size, both having a prominent big toe impression. The dung pile was twelve, fourteen inches in length and big around as a fifty-cent piece. I also had a visitor outside my tent at 4 a.m. on last night. I was awake and drinking coffee in dimly lit tent. I keep gas lantern down low to cut down noise and listen for bugling elk, so I should have heard any animal approach tent, but I heard nothing until a sliding, scaping sound followed up with a loud thud, like a person sliding of a log or a stump just a few feet outside tent. I listened for Critter to leave, but I heard no sound. It concerned me that nothing ran away, so I grabbed Axe and went outside and yelled, but still no movement. It was big. The thud it made was louder than I could make stomping on the ground. I forgot to mention that right before sound I heard a low growl that made me look down at my stomach and wonder why I didn't feel my stomach growling. It was low and long and I thought it was me at first. I was born and raised in Aliceville, Alabama, about a garter mile from the city park. In 1958, I was 14 years old. I played in the woods south of the park and swam in the creek nearly every day. One afternoon, just before dark, I had been down near the creek at a small pond. This was before the city built Sewer Lagoon on that property. At that time, there was a twenty or so acre sagebrush patch there where they had not cultivated for years. That afternoon, while walking from the lake back across the west end of that field, I saw something walking a path along the eastern end. At first, I thought it to be a huge man. That five-foot-tall sagebrush was striking in about the waist. It was in plain sight for about fifty yards and turned and went back into the woods. It must have been eight feet tall and walked with its head slightly bent forward, very dark in color. I could tell it was the same color from waist to the top of its head. The longer I looked, I knew it wasn't human. I ran home and told my parents, but I don't think they'd believe me. I never went in those woods alone again until I was much older. When a friend sent me your site on the net and I saw Ellisville on it, I had to tell my story.
We rounded a slight bend in I-84, which then pointed us with a view toward the river, and both noticed something in the edge of the water to our right and down approximately 150-200 feet to the bottom of the gorge near river's edge on the bank nearest I-84, or Reagan's side, down at approximately 35-45 degrees from the horizontal. We viewed the object for about 30 seconds before our travel brought us past some tall trees nearer to our location, which then obscured our view. I spotted the object first. I was driving, and my wife saw it after I pointed it out to her from her vantage in the front passenger seat. Without a doubt, there was definitely something there, definitely something humanoid-like, and definitely movement. When I first spotted the figure, its appearance was classic. Example pointed head with head or neck angled forward of the body trunk or spine and arms elbows which appeared to flex or hinge backward it was in the water standing up up to approximately lower mid calf approximately 10 feet from shore the overall appearance was dark brown and from our vantage point appeared too tall to be a person of normal height our estimate was that it was seven feet plus in height at any rate, it appeared to be farther from the shore than it was tall, but not by much. Despite the apparent height, the body appeared to be somewhat slender in overall proportion, not like a bulked-up football linebacker or tackle, but more slender and proportionate like a quarterback. Its outline was smooth from head to waterline with the same dark color consistent all over. Example, no color change, which might indicate clothing or indicate a color change from the top clothing to the trousers. Likewise, wading boots were not seen. No other human equipment of any kind was seen nearby to indicate that it was a fisherman, nor was there a fishing platform to be seen nearby or at its exact location. I've been a park ranger for over a decade, but nothing could have prepared me for the horrors I was about to uncover. For the past few months, there had been a string of mysterious deaths in the park. People would disappear without a trace, and their bodies would be found mutilated and twisted beyond recognition. At first, we thought it was just a coincidence. But as the number of victims increased, we knew something was amiss. I was tasked with investigating the deaths, and as I delved deeper into the case, I realized that the deaths may be connected to a secret society of occultists who were using the park as a site for their dark rituals. I spent countless nights camping out in the woods hoping to catch a glimpse of the cultists, but each night was the same, nothing but the rustling of leaves and the sound of owls hooting in the distance. I was starting to lose hope until one night. I heard chanting in the distance. I followed the sound, creeping through the woods, trying to stay hidden. As I got closer, I saw a group of hooded figures standing in a clearing surrounding a fire. They were chanting in a language I couldn't understand, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end. Suddenly, one of the figures turned and looked directly at me. I froze, hoping that they hadn't seen me. But then the figure pointed directly at me, and the chanting stopped. The other cultists turned to look at me, and I knew I was in trouble. I turned to run, but it was too late. The cultists were closing in on me, their eyes glowing in the firelight. I tried to fight them off, but they were too strong. They dragged me towards the fire, and I could feel the heat on my face. 
As they started to chant again, I knew that I was about to become their sacrifice. I closed my eyes, hoping it would all be over quickly. But as I opened them again, I realized that I was no longer in the park. I was in a dark underground chamber, surrounded by the cultists. The chanting grew louder, and I could see that they had a knife in their hands. I tried to struggle, but it was no use. The cultists held me down as they began to carve strange symbols into my flesh. The pain was excruciating, and I screamed until my throat was raw. When they were finished, they left me in the chamber, bleeding and broken. I don't know how long I was there before I was found, but I know that I'll never forget the horrors of that night. The park may look like a peaceful place, but beneath the surface lies a darkness that is best left undisturbed. The time was two or three in the morning. I was taking my dog outside so he could do his job. I heard a gunshot next door. I was wondering why there was a shot. Then it stopped. Then I heard a rumbling running through some trees. Then the tree limbs were shaking a lot. Then I heard a loud scream. High-pitched sound scared the crap out of me. Then I looked up at a tree. I saw these big eyes looking at me. It was all black. I knew it was something I did not hear before or see. I'm sorry to say the place where it happened is burned down. All the trees were cut down. Several years ago, a friend and I stumbled across a scene from a horror movie. We had been taking weekend surf trips out to the coast over the summer, and one spot we'd been going to, we had a run-in with some locals that left us not wanting to go back to that spot. I spent some time looking at maps in Google Earth trying to find new spots. A large portion of the coast is wilderness where I am, so finding roads and access to the coast can be tricky found a road that was the access road for an old, no longer active landfill that got quite close. The next time we went surfing, the waves were just so mellow, it wasn't even worth getting in the water. So we decided to go scout this road I'd found. Found the turn off the main highway, and not far from the highway, encountered a gate blocking the road. But there was tracks that went around the gate through the forest. Pretty rough, but our vehicle managed it fine continued along this gravel road for another five-ish minutes before we started encountering bits of trash, just kind of scattered along and in the road. It was also pretty apparent this road hadn't been used or maintained in a while as the forest was starting to reclaim it, branches and brush making the road quite narrow. Pretty soon we arrived at a clearing that was the landfill, large unnatural hill with bits of trash poking out of it. The road kept going a bit farther and soon terminated in a turnaround with room for several cars to park. We got out and were poking around trying to figure out how to get down to the water. This particular bit of coastline is quite cliffy and you could tell the forest between us and the ocean was very steep. You could see the ocean through the trees, but you could also couldn't see the shore because of how steep the terrain was. We had our dogs with us, and they found a trail pretty quickly, so we followed them down the trail. It couldn't have been more than 100 from the car. I noticed more trash all over the place. But it took a minute to register what I was actually seeing. Someone had collected old discarded children's toys from the landfill and tied them to the trees all around the trail. Some were hanging from nooses. Others were tied to trees. 
They all had their bellies cut open and eyes cut out or removed. Probably 2030 that we noticed, representing hours of mutilating child's toys. Creepy as if. The Bell Witch was a local haint in my hometown that is a story in its own right, but I have an old tale related to her. Growing up, I would walk to from school and I would cut through my neighbor's property to get there. Miss Ebby was her name, sweet as pie with a voice smooth as butter. She was a widow and an empty nester and I think all around a little lonely. Anyway, she and I got into this routine where I'd stop by her house every afternoon on my way home from school, and she'd usually feed me cornbread or biscuits or some sort of snack, and we would just hang out and chat out on her big front porch. Well, one day I noticed the doors were all flung open and something just didn't seem right. I walked into the house, and her house was torn to pieces. I mean, all the cabinets were open. Everything pulled out and strewn all over the place honestly thought she'd been robbed, so I start yelling for her and I hear her hollering upstairs. Now keep in mind, he lived in an old antebellum mansion. This place was huge, and though I was there every day, I never made it past the kitchen. So I hear her yelling for me upstairs, and I run up this huge grand staircase and through this winding hallway, and I find her in her bedroom. She is distraught. She's hooting and hollering and wailing. I can't find it. I can't find the book. I asked her what book, and she says, the spell book. I knew exactly what she had meant at that point. Somewhere down her family lineage was relation to the Bell Witch, and somehow she had come into possession of one of her spell books. This was common knowledge to her close friends and loved ones. I remember looking at it once. She kept it locked up in a cupboard downstairs like it was a museum piece. She went on to tell me she had opened up the book that day just cause she was curious or something. She ran out to the grocery store and she came back and her house was in ruins. But the only thing was missing was that damn spell book, never to be found again. Till her dying day, she swore. She was cursed because of losing that book. My own personal encounter with a boogeyman was actually in town around dawn. I was in probably fifth grade, and unlike most kids, I was an early riser. It was actually about this time of year, probably six, thirty in the morning, and I was standing over the kitchen sink looking out the window with a cup of coffee. Hillbilly kid, coffee at age ten, was normal. Twitch, while mom got ready for work. It was kind of foggy out and just starting to get light enough that you could see things clearly. Our house looked over a large yard, more of a field when you had to mow it. That sloped downhill with an old access road, maybe 120 feet from the window I was at, cut across it to reach the back of the property. It was all grassed over and smooth, so we kept it mowing like the rest of the yard. I turned around for some reason, and when I looked back out the window, down on the access road, this thing was walking down it from left to right. It was easily six feet long without the tail and two, three feet high at the shoulder. Four, long legs, walking steadily forward with its proportionally small, head down and forward just like a dog heading somewhere with intention. What struck me was its coloration and tail. It was overall a brown color just a generic brown dog color. 
but it had almost a cape, wouldn't say mane, of dark hair that went from its head over its front shoulders and tapered partway down its back with a long, curved, bushy tail held low and curving upward. At that distance, ears were indistinguishable, and its muzzle was oriented away from me, so it was hard to tell what kind of face it had. Its physical appearance said big dog, but the way it walked was exactly like a lion. It had a sort of sway and rolled its feet into the ground. 